0: Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, I want to welcome you again to Soul City Church. I'm so glad that you have carved out this time to actually connect with God, whether you're here live in our socially distanced studio audience. Heard of the mass singer. We got the mass worshipers here today. So, so glad they're here. So whether you're here live in our very small studio audience or whether you're watching right now live online or you're listening to the podcast at some point uh, later in the week, it is just so good to be together. My name is Jarrett and I'm one of the lead pastors here. And if you are watching online right now, we always ask you to do this. We'd love for you to let us know who you are and where you're at. So just give us a little shout out, maybe tag that emoji that We were just talking about Pastor Phil and with Kelly. So you can put that in the comment sections out. Where are you at? Who are you? Just so we know who's with us here today. Now, for those of you who are a part of our church and actually live here in America, we got folks a part of our church all over the world. But for those of you who are in America here, you know that our country uh, is in the midst of a precarious moment right now as we walk into how timely it is to be celebrating the life and legacy of, of Martin Luther King Jr. And I just want to say how proud I am of our church and how we lean in to difficult conversation, how we speak up in moments like this, how we seek to embody the life and legacy and ministry of Dr. King, not just a a quote on, on social. And I also know, I just want to be honest, I also know and I'm aware that there are some of you who are a part of this church and you're asking, okay, like, when can we stop talking about race and social justice as a church? I know this because you keep hitting me up in my DMs, and I just want you to know something. Uh, yeah, I'd love to not have to talk about that stuff anymore. I'd love for us to actually come to some healing and some equity and some forgiveness and some justice in our I would love that, but I, I also want to let you know that I do, I do legitimately hear you, and, and I get it, and that's why today we're actually gonna talk about something different today, okay? We're gonna talk about something that everyone loves, it's their favorite subject to talk about in church, and it's not sex. We're actually going to talk about, thanks, Maddie, we're actually gonna talk about money today. We're gonna to be talking about money. Now, why in God's name are we gonna be talking about money right now in this moment? Well, I, I can't think of a more important time in our life and in our culture right now to actually get our money right. I came across a recent survey in USA Today. Listen to this, don't miss this. They found that 68% of Americans suffered significant financial setbacks in 2020 amidst the pandemic. 68% of Americans suffered some kind of financial setback. And of that group, 23% actually lost a job or a source of household income. 23% of that group had lost it. And of the 3,011 adults that they actually surveyed, uh, this is incredible, uh, of all those that they surveyed, they found 38% of them, so you know, almost half up to like more than a quarter, almost half, said that they're going to spend 2021 in financial survival mode. That's the plan, is just to stay in survival mode. That is why we're talking about money today. Because I believe at a fundamental level that all of us, no matter how much you own or no matter how much you owe, no matter your gender or ethnicity or financial history, all of us want to be financially free. We all want to be financially free. No one wants to be in debt. No one wants to worry about not having enough money. No one wants to have to give up any one of the 19 different streaming services you didn't even know you had, right? So today we're gonna look at three things that can change everything. We're gonna look at three things that can lead to greater financial freedom in your life. And all of them are rooted in the wisdom of the Bible and the goodness of God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a pen, maybe something to take notes with, open up a notes tab on your phone, because I came here to teach and to preach today, and I got a lot to get through. So I want you to be able to actually keep up, okay? I believe this is actually transformational stuff. And at the end, I want to give you a little bit of work for the week that might be the most significant thing you do in 2021. All right, see, I found something to be true in my life, and maybe you found it to be true in, in yours, and I've found it to be true in the lives of, of countless others that I've been in relationship with. It, when it comes to financial freedom, when it comes to you and I really truly living financially free, I think what we lack most is not more money. Now, I think that's what we think it is. Like, if I just had more money, I'd have less problems, but you all know how that goes, Right? I think we could just get more money. I just lack money. If I just had a little bit more money, I don't think that's actually the challenge. I don't think that's actually the problem. I think there's something more significant that we lack when it comes to our financial freedom. And I'm gonna go to the magic wall to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what I think it is that we lack most when it comes to our financial freedom. I think we lack purpose. I think we lack a plan. And I think we lack, oh, I was going to do all caps, persistence. Purpose, plan, and persistence. I think that's actually the things we lack most. Jeannie, how do you like that? Look at that. I got a P, I got a P, I got a P. That's just for you, Jeannie. There ain't no illumination until there's alliteration, right, Jeannie? So (laughs) listen, that's that's all Jeannie. I think that this is actually what we lack most. We lack a purpose for our money. We don't have a driving why. We lack a plan for our money, the nuts and bolts, and we lack persistence to actually stick to the plan that we come up with given the purpose that we actually have for our money. So let's start with that first one, with purpose for just a second. See, I I believe that for many of us, for all kinds of understandable reasons, many of us lack purpose for our money. We lack a vision for what to do with what we've been given. We lack a clear and compelling why behind the way we approach our money. The question is, do you have a purpose for whatever it is that you have? Do you have a purpose for your money? Now, here's a little spoiler alert. Yes, you do. You actually already do. You just may not realize what that purpose actually is. See, for some people, the the purpose of money is more. That's the sole purpose of their money, more. More. If I can just get more, then I'll have more. I'll be able to do more. I just need more money. That's their purpose. For some, it's security. Money equals security. If I can get more money, that means I can kind of combat some of the uncontrollable things that life may throw at me. For others, money is about survival. That's the purpose. It's just to survive. It's to break maybe patterns or chains of debt or of poverty in your family. And so money is about survival for you. For me, for many years, like well into my 20s, for me, the purpose of my money was to get enough to get by. That was it. That was my compelling vision for my money. Just get enough to get by. I wasn't really thinking about the future. Giving to God was in the mix, but it certainly wasn't at the top for me. I wasn't trying to live crazy. I do, after all, have the spiritual gift of cheapness. So I wasn't trying to like live crazy. But my purpose for my money was small-minded and short-sighted at best. So, what is your purpose for whatever it is that God has given to you? What is the purpose of your money? Because listen to this. Your purpose puts everything else into perspective. Your purpose puts everything else into perspective. See, what I think we, we like to do is we like to start with a plan, right? When we want to get our money right, it's like, okay, I just need a plan. I just need a plan. I just need a plan. That's that's totally notable, great place to start. But I would just say this, that a plan without a purpose is pointless, a plan without a compelling purpose or a reason why is actually pointless. Your why has to drive your what and not the other way around. Let me give you an example. Uh, Well into uh, me and Jeannie's dating relationship, uh, there was a season where I was working four different part-time jobs. I had four different part-time jobs. Two of those jobs she didn't even know about, right? I was working four different jobs. Why was I doing it? What was the purpose of working four different part-time jobs? Why was I getting up at 5.30 every Saturday to do a landscaping job that I hated? What was the purpose? Simple and clear for me. I wanted to put a ring on it. That was it. I knew that I had to lock that down ASAP. My purpose was simple and compelling and clear. I needed to get money to pay for a ring. That was my compelling purpose. Again, a plan without a purpose, whatever it may be, is it's, it's pointless. So again, the question is, what's your purpose for your money? Now, I know that we have folks all over the spiritual spectrum who are part of this church, and I love that about our church. So I just want to speak for a moment to those of you who would call yourselves followers of Jesus. So I'm just targeting you right now. So followers of Jesus, as we look at a purpose for your money, I would contend that your money, like all things in your life, falls under the banner of Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17, what does it say? It says that whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, so whatever you say, whatever you do, basically D, all of the above, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That whatever you have, no matter how much it may be, is an opportunity for you to bless God, to honor God, to thank God, to, to see that it's all actually from him, and it's all actually ultimately for him. In, in other words, for those of you, again, I'm just talking to those of you who call yourselves followers of the way of Jesus, I would contend that the point of money is to point back to God. Ultimately at the end of the day, that purpose. The point of money is to point back to God in any and every way that you can. Whatever it is that you have, it's to recognize and to declare that it's all actually a gift from a good God. The point of money is to actually ultimately point back to God. I remember years ago I got to see this in our own lives through some friends of ours. Gene and I were getting ready to launch Soul City Church. We were living in Atlanta at the time and Uh, we were raising resources to start this church in a different city than we were currently living in. And we were gonna meet with some friends and we were gonna ask them to pray about giving to the vision of this church. And so we got our whole plan together. We had our little packet all printed up, you know, and we were so nervous and prayed up and ready to go. And so we went through the meal with them and then at the end of the meal, when we asked them if they would pray about giving and investing in this vision for this church that didn't even exist yet, they, I'll never forget this, they looked across the table at us with a big smile on their face, and they just simply said something I'll, I'll never forget. They said to us, it's all God's money. We just get to move it around. Isn't that awesome? It's all, I just, I was, it floored us. It's all, their attitude was, look, it's all God's money. Our job is just to move it around, to invest in the things of God, to bless and honor God however, wherever we can. They had a purpose for their money. So again, it starts with purpose? Do you have a purpose for your money? Does your why align with the way of Jesus? And honestly, I think that might be the most important, maybe most significant thing for you to wrestle with this week. If you're single, if you're married, if you have a family, what's the purpose of all of this, of these resources that God has entrusted to us? But again, if you remember my three Ps, it's not just about having a purpose, but it's also about having a plan. Do you have a plan for your money. This is incredibly important. Why? Because if you've ever heard me talk about this stuff before, and we talk about this stuff regularly at Soul City Church, you know what I'm about to say. You can plan on everybody else having a plan for your money. Count on it. You can have, like, you can plan on everyone else having a plan for your money. And I need to get some amens in the comment section. If you know this is true studio audience, I'm counting on you. Credit card companies have a plan for your money, don't they? The IRS has a plan for your money, don't they? Peloton, as wonderful as they are, has a plan for your money. They may make you think that by buying their bike, you're going to magically end up in a pristine mid-century modern house with a whole room dedicated just to that bike with floor-to-ceiling windows, but they just want your money. They have a plan for your life, for your money. Everybody else has a plan for your money. So the question is, do you have a plan? Do you have some kind of plan for what God has entrusted to you? So the next few minutes, I just want to walk through a, a simple Biblical, I believe practical, and as you're going to see here in a second, tactile plan for your money, a plan that can work for anybody, a plan that can work for anybody, no matter how many commas you have in your net worth, this works for anybody. It's a plan that has shaped me in Jeannie's life. It's the plan that we've taught our kids. It's a plan that I've seen God use to bring people out of debt. It's a plan I've seen God use to lead people into greater financial freedom. And I believe, I fundamentally believe, It's a plan that you can do. I really do. And to help underscore this plan that we're going to walk through just for the next few moments, I want to use a a biblical principle that's foundational to understanding how the plan actually works. It speaks to the purpose and to the plan and to persistence and what it takes to be financially free. So I want you to grab a Bible and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Or if you're on your phone or laptop or whatever, open up a tab. To 2 Corinthians chapter 9, about the middle or so of the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me give you some quick context while you're turning there, while you're opening that up. Uh, Paul is writing to a church in the Greek city of Corinth. And in this part of the letter, he's telling them about a great financial need that exists within the church in the city of Jerusalem, which is some 800 miles away from them. There was a famine that had hit the land, and the people of the church of Jerusalem and the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we're really really significantly struggling so paul is encouraging this church in the city of corinth to give financially to people that they would most likely never meet and in the midst of this compelling part of his letter to them he gives them a powerful principle that directly applies to the plan we're about to look at today so 2 corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says this it says this remember this Whoever sows sparingly will also reap what? Will also reap sparingly. So I'm talking to the live studio audience right now. They're waking up. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So he says, it's a simple principle. We're going to break it down in a second. Each of you should give. And he's talking now about the specific needs of the city of Jerusalem, the church of Jerusalem. Each of you should give what you've decided with God in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under guilt or compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I, I warmed you up on that last one. I wanna pause on some words coming up in this next verse. And so, studio audience, you're gonna shout it out. Those of you watching online, you're gonna put it in all caps in the comment section or just shout it out wherever you're at, all right? Listen to this promise coming to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And God is able, in the midst of you getting your money right, God is able to bless you what? Bless you abundantly. What does that mean? That means above and beyond. He's able to bless you abundantly. So get ready. So that in what? All things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I hope you caught the pattern and the rhythm there. That God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will actually be able to give, to live Abundantly with others. You'll have everything that you need. Now Paul is laying out a spiritual principle and he's using a, a physical example to help us get it. He's speaking to a largely agrarian culture that was familiar with the idea of sowing and, and, and harvesting and reaping. You know, it's not so familiar for most of us watching this. I mean, we're happy if we can actually keep a couple house plants alive through winter right? But they understood what he was talking about. And I think you do too. You get the idea, right? The basic idea is the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. How many of you just by show of hands or in the comment section have ever had a coach or a teacher or a parent say to you, the more you get into it, the more you get out of it, right? The more you put into it, the more you actually get out of it. The same principle applies to this biblical plan. The more you work at it, the more it begins to work for you. So what is this simple plan for financial freedom? Well, I want you to think of your money in terms of three different priorities, three different priorities. Or in the case of Paul's illustration, I want you to think in terms of three different pots, all right? So the first pot that we're going to look at that we want to sow generously into is the pot of eternity. And that's actually the things beyond me. That's the first place we sow is we take our little seeds, whatever it is that God has entrusted to us. And we sow into the things of eternity, the things that are bigger than you, bigger than you. And in this passage in 2 Corinthians 9, that's exactly what Paul is talking about. He's talking about them actually investing in the things of God into this world. How do we do that financially, invest in the things of God? And this is spoken about all throughout the Bible. You can look at lots of different examples of it in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's called the tithe. Maybe you grew up in church culture and you've heard that. Sometimes it's called first fruits, lots of different names for it. But the basic idea here is that my purpose is to bless God. That is the first priority in my plan. I sow my little seeds to bless God by giving to the things of God in this world. That is where I start. And it's going to look different. Listen, it's going to look different for all of us. It should look different for all of us. Now, I know that some folks get real hung up on this, and they love to get real technical about it, you know, and they love to say, well, it has to be 10%, no less than 10%. The Bible's very clear about that, right? And then some people love to argue, well, is it off of the net or is it off of the gross? What does God really want? (laughs) Okay, I get that. I get that. That's a whole other conversation. This message is not about that. We're talking about the principle here. And I should say to you, like some people are like, well, does it have to be to the church or can it be to other organizations? You know, I would say to you, there is freedom as you listen to and depend on God for his leading in this way. I want to say this, though, in full disclosure, I am invested in this church. I am, Gene and I are deeply financially invested into this church, and we just believe that the local church is the best place to invest in the things of God in this world. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I love that Jean and I have been a small part of helping to bring clean water to hundreds of villages throughout Kenya. I love that we've been able to play through our little financial giving a small part in helping thousands of kids actually be able to choose their sponsor here in the States. I love that we are invested in ending homelessness here in the city of Chicago to combat the violence that actually plagues our city. I love that we're invested in those things. But what I love most is that we are invested in the work of the local church and the countless lives, the countless lives that are affected and changed for eternity through that work. For all the singles and all the married folks, for all the kids and all the families and recovery and healing stories that we get to be connected to. We get to be a part of because we invest in the things of eternity that are bigger than us. As beautiful and broken as it is, I believe in the local church. So the the principle here, is that you determine with God a portion, a percent for God, and that you settle that first. You settle that with God first. Now, why is that so important? Well, let's be honest, because so often, God is actually the first place we go with our financial problems and the last place we go with our financial plans. So this is us just kind of writing that in our life and saying, no, I'm going to actually get this one right first and 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 listen if you're watching this online right now or you're here in our you know studio audience if you're listening to the podcast and in any way god has touched you god has moved you god has blessed your life Through this church, I want you to say so in the comments. I want you to shout amen. If God has shaped or transformed or changed your life, maybe you got baptized here, maybe you're part of a small group here, maybe you found your spiritual gifts here, maybe you're serving here. The reason that God has moved in so many beautiful and wonderful ways in our church is that somebody came before you and got this right. It's just how it works. Someone came before you and put this first. That's why we make a plan to bring God our best, not just what's left. Listen, don't go into this new year without getting this one settled with God, without getting this one right. You will be so glad you did. I have yet, in 25 years of working in the local church, I have yet to meet someone who regretted giving to God. I haven't met anyone that's ever said that. You will not regret it. So we start by sowing seeds, by sowing generously into the things eternal that are bigger than you, a portion, a percentage, whatever it may be. Then the plan goes on, and it says that actually the next thing that we sow into is the things of Tomorrow, that we actually sow into the things tomorrow. And what do I mean by tomorrow? I mean the things that are actually beyond you. I sow into the things of tomorrow, the things that are beyond me, that I just cannot see, that I cannot know, or I do not have today. And again, the Bible speaks to this a ton, especially in the book, of Proverbs, the, the, the idea here, though, is that I actually am sowing into the, the things of God. I'm sowing into this portion and this percentage and I'm giving it to God and that I actually then choose to make an investment in my future self. So I get this one first and then I begin to give to myself in the future. I make financial decisions today that my future self will thank me for one day that my future self will look back and say, hey, thanks, past Jarrett. You could have used this money to buy another couple of cheap bracelets on Amazon. But you didn't. You didn't. You looked beyond yourself and you actually blessed yourself in the future by sowing generously into the things of tomorrow. How many of us here, how many of us here, maybe in the comment section would raise a hand, how many of us here wish we could go back and redo some of our past financial decisions? I mean, anyone wish you can go back and go, I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have gotten that one right. Things that we wish we would have done differently in the past. Well, here's the way for you to actually subvert that by investing today in the things of tomorrow, the things beyond you. It's never too late to start investing in the things that are beyond you. Oh, how I wish someone would have told me this sooner or that I would have listened to the people who did. Oh, how I wish I would have listened to them in my 20s. Back before we had kids. Sorry, guys. But back before we had kids, Gene and I have always saved. That's always been a part of our marriage. And thank God we did because we used all that we had saved to actually start this church. Everything we had in our savings, we cashed it all in to start this church. But can I be honest with you? I wish I would have saved more sooner. I just, I wish I would have gotten this one right sooner. I think, see, okay, I'm gonna, I need a soapbox. I, I, I think here, here's a, a challenge I think we're facing. I think we're living through a moment, and we're in a cultural state where we love to reap, but we hate to sow. We love to reap. Oh, we want it, but we hate to sow into it. We, we want what we want, and we want it when? Now. now. Right? We've lost our sense of tomorrow. And I get it. Maybe it's because life is coming at us so fast and so intense these days. Maybe it's because everything else in our life is just instant now and and can be purchased and delivered to your home in under an hour all from your phone. I get it. But maybe this is why 66% of millennials don't have any money put away for retirement. 66%, two thirds of millennials. Don't have anything put away for tomorrow. Again, I think we want to be fruitful without being faithful. And what it takes, this plan takes, is you to be faithful sowing into the things of tomorrow. Get this one right today for your tomorrow. Your future self will thank you. So I sow generously. Into the things of eternity, I sow generously. Actually, into the things of tomorrow, and then with the rest, I begin to sow into the things of today. I begin to sow into the things of today, and these are the things that are right before you. You know what these are. You sow into the needs that you have today. This is your rent or your mortgage or your insurance or your food or your clothes or experiences, etc. The rest is everything else that's left the things of life that all of us have, right? And they're different for all of us. But the rest goes into, I take the rest of what God's entrusted to me regularly, faithfully, and I pour it all into today. Pour everything else I have into the needs of today, the things that are right before me, whatever they may be. And and listen, I I, I get it. Some of us, when it comes to sowing into the things of today, means that we actually have to pay off the things of yesterday. I get it. I totally get it. Lots of us are, are carrying financial, our financial past into our financial present, and it's crippling our financial future. You know that the average American is currently actually carrying around $7,000 in credit card debt, and that the average student loan is somewhere hovering around $31,000 right now. Some of you are all like, psh, that ain't Nothing. Right? Okay. It's not a competition. That's not the point of this. The point is don't let today's financial freedom be limited by yesterday's financial decisions. So maybe that needs to become a priority for you. That goes to the top of the list of the needs of today is paying off the things of yesterday. And again, I would contend that if my purpose is to bless God, is to honor God with all that I have, with all that's been given to me, when it comes to all that is in my life and the things of today, then I want to begin to prioritize what I sow into today. It's not just like, well, I'm just gonna throw the money out and see where it lands. No, I actually want to have a plan within this plan for how I meet the needs of today with what I spend my money on. Maybe I don't need all of those streaming services. Maybe I don't maybe that, I don't need to spend that money. Maybe I don't need to actually order out every night. Maybe I can tip more generously. Maybe these clothes are fine for another year. Maybe I can actually meet someone else's need in my life. Again, your purpose sets your priorities. So what is it that God is inviting you to be faithful to today, to sowing into the needs of today? And this right here is like a 50,000-foot simple plan that can actually lead to significant change in your life. I invest first into the things of eternity, portion, a percentage, whatever God may lead you to. Then I invest into the things of tomorrow. And then I invest into the things of today. But like any plan, I, want, I just remind you, going back to those original Ps, like any plan, you have to be persistent. That's the only way that any plan, well, you know this, right? Anything you've set out to do in your life, It takes persistence. Why? Because this plan without persistence is pointless. It's just good intentions. So you have to actually have persistence in this plan. To quote RuPaul, you better work, right? You got to go to work. Uh, By the way, Kelly, I think that may be the first time in church history that anyone has ever quoted RuPaul. Someone needs to look that one up afterwards. I'm not sure. Someone needs to look into that. Look, the point is, the point is, the point is, a plan without persistence is pointless. you got to stay at it with God, even when it's hard, even when you can't see the future, you can't see the blessing, you can't see the fruit. But remember what Paul said, when you sow generously, you reap generously. When you sow sparingly or irresponsibly, you kind of get what you put into it. That's just how this works. So, I promised you a, a powerful next step that any one of us can take this week, and here it is. Here's your work for the week. I want you to do two things. I want you to get clear on your purpose, settle that. Get clear on your purpose, and then get a clear plan. Get clear on your purpose and get a clear plan. I, and I, if I'm being really honest, one of the best ways I can think of for you to do just that is to sign up for our next budget bootcamp. It's coming up on January 30th. Shameless plug, right? Again, this is why G and I, this is why we're so committed to investing in this church. We wanna help you be financially free. And so we have a budget boot camp coming up on January 30th. You can sign up today. This is available to everyone. Anyone can sign up no matter where you're at. And I think it's one of the best ways I know of for you to get financially free. They're going to go way more into the weeds than I just did in this message. And I know with our budget boot camp, when we roll out and we offer that to anyone, everyone, I know that some people feel a certain kind of stigma around that, right? Same kind of stigma they have around counseling or therapy. Like, well, you should only go if your life is really messed up. Not true. Not true at all. This is for everyone. Everyone no matter where things are at in your financial world right now, I hope you take advantage. I hope you take advantage of this next step to sign up for our budget boot bootcamp. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope my prayer is that you begin to experience greater purpose with your money. Now, I'm done. But before I go, I have to say this. And, I, and I've, I've been excited for this whole message to say this. I have to say this, something that we all need to be reminded of because we can get all kinds of weird when it comes to our money. I get it. And I just, I don't want you to, to actually miss this because it's another reminder coming out of that passage we just looked at in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 because w- when you keep reading on, you get to see a truth that's easy to lose when your money gets in your way. I just want to read it to you as we move into a time of worship. This is what it says. 2 Corinthians nine ten says, Now he, now listen to this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. What does that mean? That means that all this sowing and all these seeds and all this, it comes from a good God. And that's his promise is that he will provide that to you. In fact, verse 11 says this, you will be enriched in everything every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. He who supplies the seed will also supply it for you. It's all ultimately God's money. We just get to move it around. And so why do I want to end with that? Why do I want to end with that? Because I don't want us to get so technical that we miss that actually in the midst of all of this is the promise of provision. That God is saying, you can count on me. Genie, that is five Ps in one message. I don't think we've ever, that is a record right there. God's promise to you is his provision for you. That is how it works. He is the one who gives you the seeds to sow into your life so that you can give to the things of eternity. You can invest in the things of tomorrow and you can meet the needs of today. Listen. This God knows every one of your needs and every one of your fears. And He's inviting you to do your part. But I just want you to miss this. Don't miss this. He will always do His part. His promise is provision. Those seeds that you sow come from a God who knows all that you need and has promised to provide you with everything you need. You gotta do your part, but you can trust Him, you can count on Him because he's a good God, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he is with you, and he is for you. You can build your life, not on the plan, but on the provider. We build our life on the provision, the promise of God. So let me pray for us right now. God, thank you that we can have all our plans, all our hopes and dreams, but ultimately all of it comes from and comes down to you. And so would you help us this week? I know all of us are facing our own financial realities. All of us are facing our own financial challenges. Would you help us this week, God, to just just get clear? What's the purpose that you have for us when it comes to what you've entrusted to us? And God, how can we get help, support, and having a plan where we can live that out? And Holy Spirit, would you help us be persistent? Would you help us keep at it, keep working at it with you? Thank you, God, that this is not just a test. You're not putting out some kind of, this is about your goodness, This is about your promise. This is about your provision and your invitation for us to live in freedom. You want us to be free. And God, so many of us watching right now, so many of us listening right now feel like we are bound up when it comes to our finances. Oh God, would you help us be a part of that freedom work, that transformation work, God? We choose to trust you, to obey you, to follow you, and to build our life on you. That's Our prayer, our hope, in your name we pray, amen.